Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast, satellite edition. Uh, Instead of Vince and Father Andy, uh, I am A.J. Gedney. I'm a seminarian of the Diocese of Covington. I'm here with Brother uh, Barnabas O'Reilly of the Order of St. Benedict. And we are broadcasting from St. Vincent Arch Abbey and Seminary. Hey, Brother Barnabas. Hi, A.J. I'd ask how you're doing, but we usually spend all day, every day together in class. So we, I kind of know how you are. We just had like a three hour long class together. Uh, and I, you, you very nicely made me a very strong cup of coffee so we can sit here and do this. Um, I'm kind of nervous doing this without Vince and Father Andy. Hope this goes okay. I think I, I'm dangerous enough at like recording audio and music and stuff. So I think all the technical stuff will go well. But what, are you just worried about like the conversation and how we're going to go through things um i don't know maybe no i'm I'm actually not that worried i think i'm worried that we're gonna do so good that we'll take the podcast away from them and then they'll (laughs) never you know never talk to us again just kidding cool so uh brother barnabas and i have been on the encounter mercy podcast a couple times um kind of doing a remote thing during uh quarantine through uh video conferencing software and then vincent andy asked if we wanted to do something here at St. Vincent. Hopefully in the future, we can bring in some of our uh, classmates or our seminarian or monastic brothers. But for now, it's just uh, Brother Barnabas and I. So what, what should we talk about, bro? Well, we have... Wait, first, let's talk about the fact that sitting on your desk right now, you have pickle-flavored uh, sunflower seeds. Yeah. Why do you have pickle-flavored sunflower seeds sitting on your desk here? Well, I'm because uh, I'm, I'm a big sunflower seed guy, but pickle flavor, it's good. Well, the sunflower seeds are here because I am uh, one of the co-chaplains for the men's baseball team here, and so they'll be starting fall ball soon. Uh, and so I just see being a baseball chaplain as an excuse to watch baseball and eat an incredible amount of sunflower seeds. <laughs> but I tried pickle because I just like pickle flavored things in general. Wait, can, you, can I try one? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, let me see. Hey, knock yourself out. Bigs. Yeah, because I know uh, you're a uh, sunflower seed guy. These are disgusting. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They taste more like pickle as you eat them. Okay. Now that that's over with, I was was very curious and distracted by that bag of disgusting seeds. Well, teach their own. All right. So back to the real topic. Yeah. Let me move your guitar that's in my way. So, bring up a question. Yeah, so um, I was thinking recently, uh, just kind of the end, the end goal for like diocesan seminarians versus monastic seminarians, because um, I, I thought it's interesting that one path we both could take after we graduate from here could look the same. You know, like um, part of the charism for the house here is to send guys out on mission or uh, monks will staff parishes as priests. So really, life after seminary for both of us could look similar, like we'd both be in a parish. But obviously, there's like a difference there. So I want to get like your aspect with that because for for me as a diocesan seminarian, that's my goal. Like I wouldn't really want to be anywhere else except like my main goal is to get to the parish. But for you, you could do a lot of things after you graduate. Yeah. Well, I am tempted to try to give an answer that you might find in a book somewhere about formation, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, those are probably good answers, but I'm just going to give you from like my gut instincts what I think about this question. So, um, for instance, I think in the monastery, 
um, we receive a type of formation that uh, is just kind of living the life of being in community. Like for instance, people ask, what's the best part of being a monk? I'll say the community. And they say, what's the most difficult part? The community. And um, I think there's like a, whenever I was interacting with uh, different monks who were priests before the monastery, there was something about their understanding of community. Like for instance, like we had a priest who's over there in the monastery who hasn't been back home for the past like 20 years. He's been out as a pastor, different places. He was overseas like in um, uh, a Hispanic speaking country doing Spanish ministry, all this stuff. Well, now he's back and he literally just has like a room. (laughs) That's his, that's all his belongings in his life are in his one room. Hmm. Everything else, you know, the monastery provides, but uh, I guess what I'm saying is there's different aspects of just living the life as a monk that influence maybe how you interact as a priest. Um, so that's my initial thoughts on this. Yeah, that's cool. It sounds like like wherever you are, you carry a bit of the monastery with you. You know, yeah. like like even if priests are maybe by themselves in a parish, like, because I know there's some local parishes where it could be two or three monks. And that makes sense. You can kind of build up a horarium. You can eat meals together. You can pray together. Things you would do if you lived here at the monastery. But I feel like even for a guy, if he was kind of like on mission out on his own, he would still take some of that charism with him. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. So even, I think it's uh, best if, uh, you know, if I get sent out to a parish to do some work one day, I'd prefer to be with some other monks or to be like live with some guys, you know, mm-hmm. whereas when you sign up for the Dawson life, that's not really a guarantee or even an expectation half the time, you know, but, um, just on like a level of spirituality. I mean, we, I think we all have different, um, you know, versions of spirituality. And, uh, I think our environment helps kind of form that to a degree. Um, so I don't know what's, I mean, the big question is what is diocesan, spirituality you know so if i had to ask you that question you're been in this rodeo now of seminary for uh more than a couple years so Mm -hmm. what what have you concluded that's not in a book but in your own experience we had a um, a day recollection here at the seminary so kind of like a uh, we have a monthly weekend silent retreat uh where the uh, head of spiritual direction will kind of bring in speakers and priests from the country to talk about to us about different aspects of the priesthood. And it was really cool because we once had this very, very old Franciscan. I think it was uh, Father Bob McCreary. And he mentioned like reactions diocesan priests have gotten when they'd ask, people would ask him, oh, are you part of an order? they go, oh no, I'm just a diocesan priest. And the person would go, oh, like, so you're normal. So we kind of laughed at that. <laughs> but, but you know, I guess the other answer would be, oh, I'm a part of this like really cool order. I do this, this, and this. But I guess when people say, oh, what kind of priest are you? And you just say, a Dawson priest. They go, oh, like, that's just normal. But he said some really cool things about how just because a guy is a priest and not in an order doesn't mean he can't take his spirituality uh, from other orders. So he said, you know, there are there are Dawson priests who know more about Thomas Aquinas and Dominicans. Uh, there are Dawson priests who do more ministry to the poor than Franciscans or who like, know liturgy better than Benedictines. Mm. So it was really cool. Um so I kind of see it as we can pick and choose what to influence us and like where to kind of put our spirituality. Um, Cause again, and there even are priests who were super religious priests, but 
you know, they did mission work or they lived in a parish or ministered to people like in a diocese under a bishop. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder what uh, spirituality Jesus had, you know, because the more I think about this whole Christian life thing, the more I'm like, okay, there's a lot of cool things that are going on, like Benedictine spirituality, Franciscan spirituality, diocesan spirituality, or all these different traditions and things like that. But uh, it often makes me think about like how Jesus would interact with these things today. Um, yeah. Because even uh, for people listening to this that aren't in the seminary, aren't priests, aren't religious, whatever, uh, just, you know, doing, doing your deal, working in your job or whatever aspect of your church life that you have, um, I think the Lord wants to reveal his plan for our own spirituality by helping us become like more of ourselves rather than lose ourselves and become something else that we're supposed to be. And I think that's like something form, you know, we have actual formation in uh, the monastery and the seminary. And a lot of that is, you know, aimed at, you know, carving off part of our, our own egos that get in the way, you know, cause there's nothing worse than a priest with an ego that mm -hmm. just is not able to actually help anybody, but he thinks he is. But, uh, to, to really like form uh, form a guy into what he needs to know about being a priest. Um, but also, you know, John Paul II had a, th these whole pillars of formation and one of them was human formation. And uh, really the big line in seminary that we talk about for human formation that John Paul II said that a man as a priest is supposed to be a bridge rather than a barrier between God and his people. And uh, I think I've found a lot of freedom in just leaning into the kind of bridge that I am rather than trying to become some other kind of bridge, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I, anyway, I'm just going to talk a lot. So I don't know what you think about that, but uh, what it means to actually as a Christian, when you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, regardless of your vocation, you become more of who you're supposed to be rather than just like this cookie cutter example of what a Christian is. Yeah, I remember going on our, um, the Dawson Seminarians do a winter retreat at the beginning of every spring semester uh, in January. And I remember that my very first one, so even just after one semester of formation um, in seminary, I was talking to uh, Father Boniface and I was like, Father Boniface, I'm kind of concerned, you know, I've changed a lot in this in these past several months. Like, what if I go back home or what if after I'm ordained, like my friends don't recognize me because I'm so different? Or, you know, what if I can't go back to, you know, these old friends? And Father Boniface said, you are more you now than you've ever been. Mm. And then once you finish seminary and ordained a priest, you'll be even more AJ then. Mm. And it made sense is, you know, the priest AJs who God created me to be, you know, as, as I've discerned these past four years and will continue to discern is, you know, God didn't create me to be, like a like a dad or biological father um, or any other lifestyle, he created me to be a priest. So the more that I start going in that direction, the more I'm kind of fulfilling that image that God has of me. So it's interesting you say that, like seeing yourself as a priest or as a Christian, because um, and people will think, oh, well, I need to be in a certain vocation to be holy, or I need to do this. Yeah. I have to have to do this certain thing with and get specific results, like to be holy. Yeah, but really, it's according to your vocation and how, who God created you to be. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like in high school, I played football and they kind of, when you play football, they force a 
a lifting regimen upon you. You know, like this is what you're supposed to do. This is how many times you're supposed to do it. And this is how often, whatever. But then uh, whenever I was done playing football, and I know I talked to a lot of former athletes, either you know college or high school, whatever. When something like that is that much a part of your life, and then all of a sudden there's no structure or system to keep you into that, you feel like you almost lost a part of yourself. You know, now there's a relief to a degree, like, oh gosh, I don't have to wake up <laughs> real early and do this um, like I used to. But I think that we still desire some type of structure um, to even now I'm not, I'm not disciplined enough to maintain my own kind of workout routine. But like yesterday, for instance, like I finally started working out again for the first time in a while. And I think something that helped me with that was I made this little commitment with my younger brother that uh, we're going to try to hit a certain, I don't want to say what it is on bench press because <laughs> the people listening to this are going to like hold me to it. Anyway, uh, we're kind of like going to chase each other to get to this certain point, the certain goal for bench press. So I'm like, okay, I got to put in the time. And ideally I come up with like some structure to do that. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe if people are listening to this and you're thinking, well, gosh, I'm not in the seminary. Uh, so I don't have like this formation program that you guys have to kind of help you become who God wants you to be and all this stuff. But I really like the idea of formation. You know, what can, what can uh, people do in the church to kind of take on their own, um, their own path of formation. Hmm. Does that make sense? Kind of like I yeah. had to figure out how to take on my own path of working out whenever it, I didn't, I wasn't in the structure anymore of being a part of a team or something. How can people find their own structure of formation to become in the practical hands, you know, putting some elbow grease into uh, becoming who God wants them to be. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting because you think, for, for a certain vocation, like, you know, for ours, the celibate priestly vocation, there's plenty of uh, concrete rules to follow and protocols and church documents. And now, you know, we even have institutions, seminaries themselves that like help guide us through there. But like, what about for like other vocations? Hmm. You know, should, you know, should there be there, you know, it'd be nice if there was something like, okay, if you are a, want to be a holy lay person, if you want to be a holy, you know, married person, like how does that work? Because mm -hmm we're lucky because we kind of have it set up for us. Like, Oh, let's follow these steps. We have all this accountability and these formators. Yeah. Well, here, let's do this real quick. All right. So in the PPF, mm -hmm. um, the program of priestly formation, uh, John Paul II proposes four pillars, right? So we got the spiritual pillar of formation, the human pillar of formation, the pastoral pillar of formation, and what's the last? Oh, the intellectual pillar. Of, that's my favorite. Your one. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, without giving too many examples of, of what we're doing, well, I guess yeah, we can give an example. What's one example of a way in which we have intellectual formation here, AJ? It's uh, like going to class, right? So, uh, people that aren't in class but want to have intellectual formation as a good Catholic, good Christian. What's a recommendation? Like, what could they do to just like start feeding themselves intellectually about the faith? They could look at it's like resources their own, own diocese has. Um, if they had like catechetical talks, um, or I know priests in my home diocese in Kentucky, some um, will put their homilies or actually do specific talks for like catechesis online. Yeah. Um, and there's just like, there's national stuff, you know, like Bishop Barron or Father Mike Schmitz, things like that. Or if you want to get involved in more like, like a Bible study, those are both online or you can do those in person. Yeah. 
You know, I, I remember uh, my first year out of college when I was working at the Monkey Lab, and I could just listen to stuff all day. And at first, I'd be listening to music or, you know, whatever, which is nice. But then I started listening to all these, you know, Catholic podcasts and, uh, you know, like stuff like uh, Catholic Answers. People just call up and ask a question, and then you have to listen to people answer it. And I felt like I learned more in that one year of listening to stuff, different talks or homilies or, you know, Catholic debates or whatever, uh, than I had my whole time in Catholic school, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. stuff out there, you know, and even, um, I mean, whenever I get in the routine, it's real good, but it's not always off. Just like read, read good books, Mm -hmm. you know? I think uh, we have a lot more time than we know, especially with audiobooks now and stuff, you know, man, we can really feed ourselves with reading good stuff rather than just watching TV. So intellectual formation, you know, read a book, listen to a sweet podcast about information. Like this one. That's right. <laughs> Props to Andy and Father Andy and Vince. All right, AJ, next one. Um, uh, pastoral formation. So what do we do here? What's an example of something we do here to grow in our pastoral formation? Um, Is it pastoral? Pastoral? Yeah, pastor, pastoral. 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 I like, I like pastoral. Pas- okay, pastoral. I'm sure we'll be corrected, but... Um, for, for pastoral formation on Wednesdays, at least, um, all the diocesan guys, we go out into the community and do some type of service and it's, it's all very organized. So in first theology, um, the, the first theologians go to several places, uh, nursing homes, um, special needs facilities, um, mental hospitals, and they just go there and minister there for a couple hours on Wednesdays. Like we did last year, second theology, we go to the hospital and third theology. Um, we're going to the local Catholic high school. So those are kind of built in to our curriculum. And then there's also like extracurricular stuff. So I know your one of your monastic jobs is campus ministry. Mm. But I know like myself and other Dawes and guys, uh, there are plenty of opportunities uh, in the college here. And then even with the, the Basilica Parish. Yeah. So then, all right, outside of seminary and stuff, what could be an opportunity to grow in pastoral formation out in the world? If you're just like, you know, belonging to a parish, trying to figure out how to grow with some type of pastor's heart. Hmm. Maybe like, like maybe yourself starting a Bible study or maybe even like a small group. Yeah. You know, even if like, if you're trying to like, if you think talking about the Bible is a little intimidating, just like maybe starting a small group. Yeah. Um, I know there's, I know in my summer summit parish and the ones I've been in at, in the past, there's been lots of men's groups. Um, so like maybe if you're an older, older dad and you've kind of raised your kids, you can kind of give that wisdom to the younger dads who are raising like young kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I agree totally. I mean, the amount of times I've thought myself or encountered other people that have like, man, I really wish that, you know, we had this, you know, like, oh, that our parish had a youth group or that, you know, we had some type of men's ministry or women's ministry or like whatever, you know, like how often do we just wish that things were a certain way? rather than just make some type of initiative ourselves to do it. And, uh, you know, being a pastor, you know, doesn't just have to mean being, you know, the guy in charge of the the church, the parish, as the priest. Being a pastor simply could mean just being a leader. And, you know, what can you do to go lead, uh, initiate service of making other people, basically, how do you help make other people's lives better through your own gifts and your own presence, Mm, you know? mm -hmm. So go into 
a soup kitchen, going to some type of homeless shelter, you know, and helping there or at your own parish, you know, saying like, hey, if anybody wants to meet up once a week down at Eaton Park and eat pancakes and talk about uh, the Sunday, you know, whatever, let's do that. Um, a lot of times it just takes kind of putting yourself out there. To, you know, like when we show up to some, like we, we, went, we go to the hospitals last year, uh, we just show up there. It uh, kind of, we basically didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we were taught by simply like, okay, these are things you don't say. These, you know, like, oh, I was here last week and somebody, you know, somebody died. Uh, how are you doing? You know, like, no, yeah. you don't do that. Um, but in terms of what to do, we were just basically putting ourselves out there. You know, you knock on a door, walk in a room and try to start a conversation. And uh, we really learned a lot, I think, just kind of yeah. doing it, putting yourself out there. So, yeah, and small groups and stuff, I think, are awesome. You know, like, oh, I don't know how to lead a Bible study. Well, gosh, just open the Bible and read some of it and say, what do you think? How does this apply to your, your guys' lives? People want an opportunity to share about stuff. Um, it's just, it sometimes helps having like, uh, like, Hey, we're going to do that, um, on Thursdays, you know, like we, we, we joke about our, our small group. We're in a small group. We've nicknamed it the sharing care. What is it called? Sharing and caring railroad, <laughs> the sharing and caring railroad. Now, you know, it's a joke. Cause we really enjoy like talking about stuff that's going on in our lives. Cause otherwise I think we'd probably just, you know, become like complainers and, you know, joke, joke all the time. So this is a really good thing, but, uh, Yeah. Like you've been a great person to keep that going. You're like, all of us want it, but you're the guy that sends the text out. Like, <laughs> Hey guys, can we meet this week? Hey guys, are we going to start this up again this semester? That's, that's a great example of becoming like a pastor, pastoral formation, just doing it. I think being like a pastor, I'm in charge of it because it, it meets in my room. So it's good to know. I'm not going to like come back from a class and mm. they're going to all be in here like sharing. Yes. <laughs> and how cool would that be? Like, um, for people to just invite um, church into their house. You know, I'm not saying like, go just start having mass at your house, um, but to uh, invite people in for a meal, invite people in for some type of, you know, movie night slash discussion, just invite people to do something of community and Jesus in your house, whatever it may be. I think that's a, that could be a game changer. Yeah. There are groups like that um, at my, Again, I'm at my summer assignment parish because uh, the pastor and I went to a couple this summer, um, and it, it's it, it's really cool because it, I think it helps people kind of relax because it's in a like non church atmosphere. Mm -hmm. There's someone's house, it's a family they know. They share food, um, and they'll maybe watch like a, a formed video. Um, mm -hmm. I was at one; they watched one of the Wild Goose. If you remember those videos, oh, dude, the Wild Goose is loose. Yeah, so it was, it was cool because I'd seen the video before, but yeah. it was really neat to watch. Uh, there's this one couple, they kind of led the discussion. So they had questions and the pastor and I just kind of watched, chimed in every, every once in a while. But it's really cool because that group has been going on for a while. Yeah. So it just, it just takes, you know, uh, having a close group and then eventually once it gets big enough, you can kind of invite other people in. Yeah. And man, like I've, I've tried to do things that have failed, you know, and people, I think that, you know, like, well, gosh, I don't know how to do this or, you know, I don't, maybe it will fail. So be it if it fails. The only thing to avoid is sin. Everything else, give it a shot and see if God, you know, will bless it. Like for instance, my uh, my little brother, my young brother, uh, Patrick, he uh, he's working full time in downtown Pittsburgh, and he would just be going to daily mass at Saint Stanislaus in the Strip District. 
Well, one day after mass, um, I don't, I forget how it happened, but he met this guy and whatever. And, uh, the, the guy was, Oh, I haven't seen you down here before. And my brother introduced who he was and said, Hey, let's, you know, meet up for, um, coffee maybe on Thursday after mass. So they met up and they had coffee. And then my brother thought, well, man, maybe we can just ask some other people from the parish to go get coffee after mass. So they started doing that. And now it's to the point where my brother, because of COVID, hasn't really been going down to work. He's been working at home. Hmm. But there's this thing called morning mass and coffee, which is like a diocesan event in Pittsburgh that like 20 people will go to. And my brother is not even a part of it. Like he doesn't even lead it anymore. Like other people are just making it happen. Uh, I mean, he still can go down when he can. But I think that's a great example of just having a small thing and let it grow into something like building community. You know, so they would go over and like drink coffee. And then my brother would just simply ask them like, hey, guys, let's, you know, huddle around here. I just want to ask you a question. And they're like, yeah. And he would say, what's your what's your goal for the week? You know, and sometimes the goals were spiritual. Sometimes they were just practical. Sometimes they were whatever. But either way, there was this community being built so that people didn't just go to mass and then leave. Mm-hmm. But they kind of got to know the people that they were uh, worshiping with. So, Okay. Uh, let's keep going. Yeah. The next pillar, do you want to do spiritual or let's, let's do human human. Cause this, this one's, this one's human formation as opposed to alien formation. Yeah. They just make sure like we're being humans. This one is interesting. Cause uh, like the other areas, each seminary has like a formator in that area. Mm. Um, so when we get to spiritual, we can talk about our spiritual directors who we meet with a couple times a month, but we also have a human formator. Um, and it's kind of like anything else that doesn't fall under the umbrella of spiritual. So they'll ask like, hey, are you exercising? Are you eating right? How are you sleeping? And then a big thing for me is like, how are your relationships? Mm. And so, and, and I'll talk about like my mental and emotional health too. Because I mean, it just sounds funny because you tell people, oh yeah, I had human formation. And they look at you like, why like, were you turning into like a goat? Like you got to make sure you're being formed like a human. <laughs> but uh, it is, it, I mean, in, in an environment like here, um, it can be kind of tempting to kind of put sweep that kind of formation under the rug, but it's kind of like, what do you do if you meet a guy and you just really butt heads with him or, or, you know, one of the formators drives you crazy with like, you know, his mannerisms. Yeah. So it's kind of like processing that. And I think that's where a like small group is a big help too. Cause we can just talk about our ups and downs of the weeks, you know, our victories and our failures and kind of work those out. Yeah. So maybe the question that at hand here for the folks at home listening is how do you set up some type of structure for yourself to intentionally become a better human. So maybe like, all right, well, what does it mean to be human? Well, you've got a body. How are you going to actually intentionally take care of it? So are you, you know, how are you eating? How are you doing something to move every day? You know, I don't care how, how you work out, but like, are you moving around <laughs> getting the heart to beat? Cause I think that's just going to be, good for then you're like your mental health. So we're a brain, you know, we have a, some type of brain, uh, that, you know, intellectually grow in the faith, of course, but also like, man, I, we talked about this on another podcast that I always feel better after I read a book versus just watched mindless television, mm-hmm. you know? So as a human, I think I'll be a better human, more of who I'm supposed to be when I, uh, do stuff to help form my brain. And then, uh, as humans, we're not isolated. We need like relationships, like you're saying. So how am I being intentional to build some type of relationships? And, you know, I, I think that uh, being able to talk to somebody, like 
I've talked to multiple counselors before for different things going on in my life. And I think that that can just be a good way to process stuff that's going on and kind of even put a mirror up in front of yourself and, and look and say like, all right, what is it about about me that's good so I can affirm that? And what is it about me that I need to kind of be aware of um, so that I can uh, just continue to be at peace with myself and build better relationships rather than kind of just get in the rut of relationships that kind of are like not great or wonder why, like, oh, wow, why can't I find any like good friends or something like that? Well, maybe, maybe uh, there's something that we need to be aware of uh, that would help us just relate to people more easily, have less anxiety, be healthier, all that, all that type of stuff. And I think to kind of bring in another one of um, the ideas we've been having so far is just how can the parish get involved with that? Or like, how can the people yeah, at home yep. do that? Um, and one of the things is like, yeah, get involved at your parish because I've met people that I still have regular contact with that I met at a parish, you know, years ago, like even before I was in seminary. So it's, it's finding those like-minded people in those groups. Mm. So like one example was uh, before I entered seminary, I was in like this young adult group at my parish or I was in a Bible study or helped out with youth group. So I think if people are having that experience at church where they think, oh, you know, I go to my, I go to mass every Sunday, but I don't feel the community. Um, I think every parish has opportunities for you to, to get involved and then to like start, you can start fostering those relationships. Yeah. Because they're based on faith and that's like an obviously very deep thing in every person. Yeah. Good. Okay. Last pillar. Our favorite. The spiritual pillar. Our real favorite. So AJ, what what do they cultivate here to help us build up that spiritual pillar? Um, So like I said, we each have a uh, a, a priest here who's a spiritual director whom we meet every uh, two weeks uh, for confession, uh, for spiritual guidance and counseling. We, on the diocesan side, like I said, we have those monthly days of recollection. Uh, We have a spring retreat. And then um, there's different events, uh, usually like extracurriculars or after hours here, like we'll do a life and spirit seminar or a marrying consecration. Um, I remember once being told by a formator that uh, the PPF says this is the uh, most important pillar. Mm. And it's funny because we were told like, oh, don't tell our academic dean that because he obviously very likes he likes a lot the uh, intellectual pillar. Or our, our academic dean one time got up and said, okay. This, the spiritual pillar might be the most important, but there'll still be a test at the end of your life, <laughs> which is, you know, are you going to go to heaven or hell? Yeah. Anyway, but uh, continue. I remember seeing a quote from uh, Benedict XVI on the formation of priests, and he says, um, you know, not every priest needs to be, you know, the, the next intellectual, you know, high level theologian, you know, with pontifical degrees and things like that. But every priest should be expected to be an expert in the spiritual life. So that's what I think with these other areas of formation, we can know something about it, but if we don't know everything, that's okay. So if, you know, if someone comes to us with like, that needs relationship advice, we can give them some, but we may not be an expert. We can always, you know, refer them to someone else, to professional in that area. But I think in the case of spirituality, we are the professionals in that area. Um, yeah. So I think that that's why at least here, they really cultivate our own spiritual life because, um, you know, we can always kind of open up a book and to get an answer for someone or, you know, find the scripture passage that you need. But when someone comes into your office and they're just like questioning life and if God exists, you you, you shouldn't say, oh, wait, hey, let me go find this book I once read. I can read you this quote. It's kind of like in the moment you need to be able to process that. So at least in that area, I think the priest should be the professional. Yeah. And maybe to bring this whole conversation full circle, 
uh, as we start talking about different kind of spiritualities, you know, um, that even uh, even like the the spiritual pillar, spiritual formation, I don't think that that's that includes even learning different type of spiritualities per se, because that's more under the intellectual thing where mm-hmm. you understand things. Uh, where it would overlap is if you understand uh, spirituality from actually doing it. So that I can tell you about Benedictine spirituality from what I've learned and read, but I can also tell you about Benedictine spirituality much more now than I could five years ago by actually attempting to live it, you know, being immersed in it. Same thing for you about diocesan spirituality, about actually doing it, living it. And maybe uh, to encourage anyone out there, whatever your vocation is, um, you have a spirituality that you're actually living or have the opportunity to live as you lean into it every single day and to bring holiness into the world through leaning into that vocation all the way. Uh, So how do you grow in spiritual formation? Well, one, you have to spend time with God and to pray no matter what your vocation is. And then two, to really uh, offer up to God whatever it is that your vocation at hand has in mind. So whether you're priest, religious, married, single, uh, a student, uh, post-college, you know, if you're retired, that there's certain um, opportunities in every season of life to uh, encounter God and to bring, uh, to bring the presence of God to the people that he's actually putting right in front of you. So maybe the words I'm thinking of in this spiritual pillar are simply spending time with the Lord and to find a a good plan to do that. You know, or you can do that for a half hour a day. You can do that for an hour a day. You can pray the office every day, whatever it is. And then uh, to simply recognize the importance of your presence uh, as God has willed it for the people that you're encountering each day. Hmm. Um. I think that's a big part so that you don't just like have your time with God and then you run away to work and you like hate everybody there, but that you're like, maybe God has willed that at this time of the history of the world, I am encountering these 12 people at work and I need to recognize his presence here and how I can love people here. I think that's another way to grow in spirituality and be connected to God by just simply uh, being aware of the power of your presence because you're bringing his presence. So anyway... What do you think, AJ? We're hitting some pretty good time here. Do you got any uh, anything else you want to bring to the table here or to the desk, I guess, as we sit at your yeah, desk? As we sit, I sit at my desk in my dorm. Um, no, I just, I'd like uh, the turn this took. We kind of start, talk, started talking about previously formation, but I think anybody can use these because they're just very human aspects of our life. You know, our relationships, our spiritual life, uh, what kind of learning we're doing. Um, and then, you know, how are being pastoral or, or ministerial or you know, being a mentor? So I, I, it's interesting because I'd never thought of it that way. I always thought of these as like specifically for princely formation. Mm. But I think um, they comprise, you know, any human being out there. And like you said, like one shouldn't be neglected for the others, um, you know, and we shouldn't capitalize just on one. You know, yeah, it'd be great if we, you know, if we spent seven hours a day in prayer, but if we weren't studying or even as ordained clergy, if we weren't reading books to prepare for homilies, uh, it'd be to the neglect of other aspects of our life. Yeah. So like, and like a lot of things, and that 
especially like, like they teach us here in seminary is um, they're looking for balance. Yeah. Which is a hard thing. You know, I feel like balance in my life is, it's like a seesaw, you know, like if I could actually get it to stay even keel, uh, it probably means that there's something wrong with the seesaw because it's just going up and down. And that I've learned as I try to find that balance simply to, uh, as, as, uh, uh, what's his name? David Kelly. Not, no, that's our canon law professor. Uh, <laughs> what's the, who's the Australian Michael guy? Kelly. Mike, Michael Kelly. Is yeah. that it? Yeah. Michael Kelly. Michael, yes or yes. He says, you know, uh, how can you become the best version of yourself? You know, do you want to become the best version of yourself? I think everyone wants to become the best version of themselves, you know, and don't want to be somebody else. But really, who is that? And I think as I struggle for balance or as I would like to think, like becoming the best version of myself with the gifts and weaknesses that I have, that, um, you know, I kind of have to lean more on my relationship with the Lord so that I don't get too high in the sky when I do really well. And I don't get too low and discouraged whenever I'm struggling, but to say, Lord, you are actually going to help me become the best version of myself because you made myself and uh, yeah, you have a plan if I could just simply be aware of it and lean into it all the way. So I got to work on my Australian accent. Yeah, you should. You can practice that, like in yes, between class. Yes, crikey, dude! Steve Irwin was my hero growing up. That's <laughs> who I wanted to be. That's actually still who I want to be. But we'll see if you can, monastery. You, you can be. You can be a spiritual Steve Irwin. You know, you can tame people who are like you know crazy and don't know God, and you just bring them into the church. Just go like catch them like he did. <laughs> oh, look. Anyway, okay. Well, AJ, thanks for uh, initiating this. Yeah. Hopefully the guys approve of this discussion. Hopefully they don't hear this first one and they're like, yeah, we're not going to ask him again. We should get some <laughs> other seminarians in here too. It'd be fun. Yeah. There are, uh, there, there are some interesting people around these parts. <laughs> That's for sure. <clears throat> Great. Well, this, is, uh, this has been AJ and Brother Barnabas with the Encounter Mercy podcast uh, satellite edition. So we hope you guys enjoy this and we will talk to you real soon. Peace.